What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain What's up, everyone? Here we are with Nick Gregoriadis, and we don't even really know each other yet. We've, you know, had a few communications. But I think we got some shit to talk about. I think so, too. That's what my instinct is. So we're going to figure it out. We don't even know where this is going. We could (laughs) talk about ayahuasca. We could talk about jujitsu. We could talk about whatever. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So you were were formerly the co-host on London Real. That's right. And also um, received your jujitsu black belt under Hodger Gracie. Uh Uh-huh. And... I have a website, Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood, which is definitely something I want to touch on because I think that's something that's, you know, missing in in our society is the ability for people, you know, guys to interact in that kind of way in which you're forging these bonds through through kind of play competition, not play, but, it, you know, competition in this kind of physical is physical interaction that I think is was originally how we were designed to interact with each other mm-hmm. and work out you know differences kind of grow in faith of each other and, and create these bonds that are a little bit deeper than just you know a couple beers over a football game mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that you know and so I think that's something that you can get with jujitsu that's harkens back to a time where you used to train in combat together yeah. or like something like teammates and soldiers get today in, in other sports or maybe go on a hunt with your fellow tribe members yeah exactly and, and just bond over adversity i mean i remember um i told this story many years ago on another podcast but uh you probably enjoyed um i remember i was competing when i was about 24 i was a purple belt and um we were at a, a local i think it was like a state level competition in england and i was fighting a guy from another team that our school had a kind of a rivalry with and uh it was a really tough match and i managed to win at the last possible second and i remember all my teammates came and like they would just hug me and like surround me and i just thought to myself like wow this is what uh tom brady feels like when he scores the <laughs> right. game winning touchdown right. whatever it is you know it's like that you know those people i remember forever there was a peak experience and um if we had maybe been sitting or watching a game in a bar Sure, we might have been happy when our team won, but I don't think it would have been that sort of strength no. of an experience, if that makes sense. No, definitely not. Yeah. No, I understand that. I mean, I was there 
you know, I've become pretty good friends with TJ Dillashaw and I was there when he won the title against Henan Barrow. And just even for me, the experiences that I went, you know, I went through watching my friend, you know, achieve something so great, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I haven't felt like that myself, let alone what he felt like, you yeah. know, and then to, to go out with him that night and we go into a, you know, we're in Vegas and we go into a club and I let the VIP host know that, you know, TJ just won the belt and then the music stops in the club and they announce it and they play this song. The champ is here. And then you got a thousand people in this oh, wow. Vegas club just bouncing up and down. And TJ is just glowing. Like if you yeah. could see his aura, it just projected, yeah. you know, like a hundred <laughs> feet out either way, like a fucking tractor beam, mm -hmm. you know, because he's just glowing. I mean, it was this. And I saw that actually, I wasn't friends with him at the time, but I saw that too when Forrest Griffin won the belt. Um, I think he beat Rampage that night and I ran into him that night and just that kind of feeling is just this mm -hmm. this glow that that's around even though they're beat up you know they're <laughs> fucking tired like something magic happened yeah, it's real yeah. I mean uh, I always say fighting jiu-jitsu combat sports it's it's real and whenever I have it I'm the kind of person I have a tendency to get in my own head and like I've got uh, you know a certain business obligations and relationships and everything and like a lot of it can become uh a little bit too cerebral sometimes and that's the one of the main reasons i love jiu-jitsu is it's it's real you know it's just mm -hmm. you and the guy wrestling trying to tap each other out and i think uh all men if possible should be doing something like that you know something raw and real and primal and physical because i mean i always say this is a physical realm that we're in you know so you want to be experiencing it as much as possible and these are ways to do it or some ways to do it totally and and the great thing about doing it with jujitsu is because I, I always had more of a striking background and you know jujitsu is something i just kind of picked up along the way as well mm -hmm. and um but with the striking background yeah you can get some of that but then you know as it happened to me you can get your ass kicked like yeah. i did when paul buentello i was sparring with paul buentello who was a former ufc champ uh -huh. i get finished with that sparring so he kicked my ass I get finished. I get out to the parking garage and I'm like, where the fuck am I? What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. You know? like, I, I, I don't want to feel like that. Like, that's start. not good. That's not healthy. It yeah. doesn't bode well for my future brain. Definitely not. And you, I mean, we're, we are the kind of people who actually need our brains. You know what I mean? Like yeah. with, with our businesses and stuff. I remember I was, um, a few years ago, I was, I was teaching one morning at, at Rogers Academy and uh, I taught a private lesson and then right after I did some MMA sparring with Roger and some of the, the MMA fighters and um, I took a whole bunch of shots to the head in that, that session and I remember my, my private lesson student had paid me like 100 bucks in cash and I was so dizzy like I couldn't find this 100 bucks like I was getting ready to leave and I was like I looked in my wallet and I was like what have I done with 100 bucks I mean <laughs> and I was looking at my trousers and I looked in my bag I couldn't find it and then I, was, I said to, to like Roger I was like dude, you know, I don't want to say anything weird, but you know, maybe someone's taking something from the gym. And then like, I was walking out the door and, and Roger went to throw his soda can away in the, in the dustbin and uh, there was a hundred bucks. So I had been so dizzy and concussed, like I'd actually just thrown this hundred bucks away with my soda can from a few minutes before. And then that's kind of when I realized, mm, maybe this is not the best thing for me, you know? Um, so I know exactly what you mean, striking. I kind of uh, I put it on the back. Maybe button. that was a reminder for you to stop drinking things that come in soda cans. <laughs> <laughs> it was an organic <laughs> vitamin-enriched soda. <laughs> uh, allegedly. 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 Um, yeah, no, no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, you've kind of used jujitsu not as 
a total end, but as a means to fulfilling, you know, some important things about life. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, it's another thing that people sometimes fail to make the connection. They look at everything as the ends. Well, what are you doing that for? Like, for example, I studied Latin in, in school. You know, like, useless. What are you doing that for? Like, that was the end. Like, I'm going to go wield Latin and, and make it some valuable purpose. But mm-hmm. that wasn't the point. The point was it allowed me to think in a new way. It opened up areas of my mind try- and also gave me a connection to antiquity through, you know, reading the language that, you know, these great th- minds of our past mm-hmm. would write in, you know. But it was the process for me of doing it that was valuable, not the ends. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah, jujitsu is a useful thing to know. You never know when you might need to, you know, slap an arm triangle on somebody. Yeah. Like, who knows? But more than that, it's a vehicle to help, you know, add something to your life. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the way I always look at it is it's, um, it is a very good vehicle, in my opinion, for your own personal evolution because um, when you are having a tough jujitsu match, it draws upon all aspects of you. You know, you, it's not just your body that's getting pushed. It's your mind and your spirit. You know, you're having to like make all these calculations in your head. And then, you know, you might win or you might lose. And either way, that brings with it a whole set of circumstances that you have to learn to control. Like if you win, you don't want to start becoming that douchebag guy who like is super arrogant. And if you lose, you have to realize that that's part of the game, you know, and you don't want to get mm-hmm. all down on yourself and like depressed. And it's, that's the thing I love about it is it's, um, I don't know if you've read anything. I'm sure you, you will have like this. Uh, I'm, not from, I'm not sure exactly which book it was, but this guy was saying how for a man, he always wants to be as close to his edge as possible because that's where he feels the most alive. Like as soon as you become too comfortable, you know, you start to contract and you start to die in a way. And mm-hmm. I mean, man, I'm 35 years old. Like Jesus is getting harder and harder. You know, mm-hmm. all the young guys are getting better and better. And sometimes I'll I'll go to a gym and wrestle with a kid who just, literally like I can't walk properly for two days afterwards and I say to myself why do I do this and then I realize it's because it keeps me on my edge you know and I have to do it um so that is a one of the main reasons I I love jiu-jitsu yeah so what are you going to do when that because there comes a point where you'll probably have to have to hang it up have you thought about what else what other surrogates could you add in that that can help you know Mm. get you that it's a very good question and I think I will use this as my ayahuasca segue. Um, <laughs> That'll uh, push you to an edge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, then once the the physical, once I cannot explore like any further with the physical, then I, I'm gonna probably start going even more inside. You know, with things like ayahuasca and uh, DMT. And you've you've tried a bogan, right? I think mm-hmm. you. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things on my list. I'm a little bit scared of that one, but I want to try that one sooner or later. So. Um, We'll see, yeah. And also, I think you can still, jiu-jitsu, maybe not so much, but, but yoga, you could still, still probably push like sure. well into your 70s and stuff. You know, you could still get a really good physical challenge from that. Sure. So probably The key is that. just to get out of your mind for a little while. Oh. You know, like push your, push your limits, get out of your mind. Because you, you reach that in yoga. I mean, it's more, it's more visceral maybe in, in jiu-jitsu. But there, there'll be that point where you're holding and breathing into a pose and every fucking part of your body is just like, man, just go, just go, yeah. just go to child's pose, man. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to talk shit. You know, now's a good time for water. Yeah, you know, just, like, just stare at the chick's ass in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't really need to, you don't really need to plant your heel and stretch, yeah. you know, and you constantly have those moments where you can make choices, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I agree. I think that's a great venue to continue to, to push your edge and of course on the on the medicine front 
I mean, that's, you know, you got to go into those things saying, mm-hmm. you know, today is a good day to die. Like you got to mm-hmm. go in not holding anything back and just being ready to receive whatever the medicine mm-hmm. brings. Yeah. You know, one thing I am, um, I always reference it when, uh, whenever I'm in it, about to do an ayahuasca ceremony is, I think it was, um, you were on it on Joe Rogan's show and you were discussing your ayahuasca journey. I, I listened to it a few times before I actually started going down the ayahuasca path and on your second or third night, you said to the shaman, um, por favor, medicina fuerte. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I have never asked the shaman that, dude. I've done ayahuasca like 10 or 12 times and I've never even considered doing that. So, I mean, what was going through your mind when you when you said that? I mean, why would you want it to be stronger than it, it usually is? <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I think at that point, at that point, I was, you know, there's this almost, uh, there's this almost naive courage that you have at the start of things, mm-hmm. you know, and I really, I wanted to, I wanted to find my edge. I wanted to push it to the point where it was no longer comfortable. Okay. You know, and, and the first, none of it was that comfortable. It always found my edge, but I was like, there's some deeper, deeper <laughs> levels. And actually I had, I didn't find that until my last session a, a couple months ago and okay. I'm still recovering yeah. from that one. Like that one, <laughs> that one brought me to that point and I yeah. didn't have to ask for stronger medicine. That was all fucking dialed in. But that one brought me to the point where it was the very edge of edges. Yeah. You know, it was the very bottom yeah. point. <laughs> I said to my, my girlfriend after the, my last one was a couple of months ago as well. And, um, I was doing it on a Saturday night and I said to her, I'll call you in the morning and, <laughs> my girlfriend was in the states i was in england at the time and um the next morning i called her and and i was kind of like i couldn't really even speak you know and then she was like what happened what happened and i just said to her i drank from the knowledge oh wait i i ate the fruit from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and that's all i could say <laughs> she couldn't say anything else because it had taken me to that point where you know when it's as, as you said i'm still recovering it's so intense yeah. um what did you see last time i'm very interested to to hear yeah, that was, it was a very personal journey. Like the first one I talked to, and I've told this story on here, so I'll just cover it briefly, but I talked to the spirits of many different animals and different sources, actual source itself and Mother Earth and, and a bunch of different animals from mosquitoes to bear to all of these different things. I have to listen to that. So the first session I was like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm talking <laughs> to spirits. Things are good. Um, and then the next three just broke me down to deeper and deeper levels where I started tracking different elements of myself that are, you know, the last real hurdles to becoming and actualizing what my potential is until the very last point, it broke me down to the nothing of nothings. You know, it took me to that very last level where I was at, not only was I going to die, but it didn't matter. Ayahuasca told me that. I was water borrowed from the ocean and the ocean forgot. Not only was it just part of something that was so vast you can't even measure it, but didn't even remember that it gave it to me. It was like, you're nothing. And I, and I was at that point. From there, you know, it's been a building up. It built me, me up the first levels, you know, from, in that session. And because uh, that, that was it, you know, I was at that point where, you know, I just started to weep. I was like, I'm, I'm nothing. And then it, from there, it showed me that I was at least willing to fight for what is okay. just, and then I was willing to be fair. And those were like the one, the two pieces that it gave me, and the rest in the last three months have just been adding on to those pieces. And I'm still, 
<laughs> I'm still not back to yeah. even, even, but I know that once I get to even, I'll just keep climbing well, because I've like excavated the foundation. Okay. You, you know, know, every time I do ayahuasca, the next morning I say to myself, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and then I hear a story like that and I start thinking, hmm, maybe a couple more times, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to ask you, um, Aubrey, uh, you wrote an article um, several years ago about your experience with Iboga, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, I didn't, I don't think I had enough reference points to fully understand what you were describing, but you discussed something um, that you were showing different aspects of yourself, and one of them was called Mud Boy. Do you remember mud that? Mud Body. Mud Body, that was it. And that Mind was, Boy, Mud Body, and My True Self, yeah. Yes, okay. Now, my, uh, Mud Body was kind of like the lower, more primal aspects yeah. of yourself it's the monkey the monkey you know it's okay. those it's those instincts what is the monkey like well the monkey likes puzzles he likes to fuck he likes to fight he likes to eat you know he likes it's just the very base you know desires of this primate that we've carried on through evolution and that we have you know carrying in our body okay and now being aware that that is a specific compartmentalized part of yourself are you more able to control what mud buddy is trying to force you to do or trying to get you to engage in sure you know and and there's been subsequent work on that <clears throat> on that topic the 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 piece of awareness that i think is crucial cuz everybody kind of knows like oh yeah i'm having these urges or whatever but the thing that's really helped me a lot is with the stuff that's a little bit more subtle like the physical stress like imagine when you're under stress mm-hmm. and and you're feeling anxious or something like that i'm actually able to see like remove yourself from that from that body and be like oh look you know mud body is stressed Mm -hmm. you know notice notice how his heart rate is a little bit high notice how his muscles are tense Mm -hmm. you know let him know he should relax and then so i can use those other parts of my mind my higher self to say hey body relax it's going to be okay like you're going to be all right or i'll catch myself when i'm in this mode where Sometimes, you know, towards the end of a meal, for whatever reason, I'll get real aggressive and like packing in more food and not thinking about it, becoming unconscious or whatever. I'll say, hey, 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 you know, settle down, settle mm-hmm. down, body. You got, you're going to get plenty of food, chew it, you know, relax. And so I've been able to kind of separate myself and say, you know, body, chill out. Okay. You're going to be it's, all right. It's like, um, I think it's the, the Buddhists who say, it's one of my very favorite um, concepts and understandings, understandings is that um, between stimuli and your response is a window of time. And in that window lies your power. Mm-hmm. So the wider you can make that window, the more powerful you are. Yeah. Um, and it comes, another way it's, it's said often is that um, someone who's in control of himself responds as opposed to reacts. And the difference being that a, a reaction is almost an unconscious um, way to deal with something like so someone punches you and you react by getting mad and punching him back whereas like maybe a, a trained martial artist would respond and like he'd be in that window for a longer period of time and he could say is hitting him the right response or is like right. taking him down the right response or is running away the right response it's reclaiming your free will yes yeah. yes interesting and free will is this it's this slippery dynamic thing you know and, and I, that was another thing that the wachuma medicine actually taught me the most was that you know only at the point of fearlessness do you have full full free will when nothing when you're at literally afraid of nothing because fear will push and prod you in in a, in a variety of different ways it'll cause actions to avoid it and to avoid situations mm-hmm. that aren't fully free will it isn't just you choosing it's you reacting to your fear 
So getting to that point of fearlessness is the point where you have full free will. Now, mm -hmm. I believe you have varying degrees of it on down the line. There's always, sometimes it's a small amount and sometimes it can be a big amount. But the more you can expand that, the more you'll be able to choose mm -hmm. what you want to bring into your life. Is, is there, would you say that there are certain aspects of your life where you are further developed in, in that and, let, and other um, parts of your life where you're less developed in that? Like, I'm guessing in business, you're probably quite close to fearless now, but in, I don't know, jujitsu or, or striking, you're probably mm -hmm. not yet at that point. Sure. Well, it's funny because, you know, I don't, I don't have anything to defend in my jujitsu or striking. I don't think that I'm good. You know, so so the fear is the fear is more actual just danger, you know, like danger exists, you know, and the danger is that someone might hit me. So that exists. But that's not that's not fear. That's just a recognition of a superior force or, mm -hmm. or something like that. The areas that are tough are, are the attachments, I think, you know, it's like being attached to everything, being attached to my health. That's a tough one. Right. Being attached to my physical health. So the fear of not being healthy mm -hmm. either getting sick or getting injured yeah, or something like that as well. right so that in itself carries a fear that is very difficult for me to overcome you know so like if i start to feel myself getting a cold or something like that i'd, I'd like kind of freak out a little bit you know whereas ultimately if i was able to master that i'd be like that's okay i've been you know i've gotten a cold before mm -hmm. and i'm going to be all right mm -hmm. and that that fear of not being well i will have worked through um you know something like to use those other examples, yeah, like jujitsu or striking. I know I'm not that good, so mm -hmm. I'm, I don't. I'm not defending anything, you know. And I think it's when you have something to defend that's when, mm -hmm. or something you're attached to, you know, when your ego's involved or your attachments involved. That's when fear really wreaks the most havoc. Wow. Uh -huh. Okay, I'd never really thought about it that way. Interesting. Okay, next thing. This mm -hmm. is something that's I've had loaded in my mind to ask you for many, many months. <laughs> great. Um, this is great. I like this. this is like, <laughs> you're doing the heavy lifting now. Now I can just relax and respond to questions. <laughs> so uh, uh, I think I either am friends with you on Facebook or I follow you or something like that, but I get some of your stuff in my Facebook stream. And it's pretty clear that you have dated some really beautiful women, mm. right? That's become very clear to me. Um, <laughs> Now, you, do you have a girlfriend at the moment, a steady girlfriend? or that, Now, these are complicated questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to ask you these complicated questions. questions. Yeah, there's, there's, somebody that I'm, there's somebody that I'm seeing pretty, okay. pretty seriously. I guess uh, the root of my question, or the, the, the question I ultimately want answered from you is, and at the risk of, uh, I'm really not trying to big you up here. It's just a, it's something I really need clarity sure, on for my own for life. It. Um, you're a guy with options mm -hmm. it's, and I mean how do you how do you rationalize all those options with the idea of having a steady girlfriend and being monogamous like how do you because I'm going to be straight up it's been the battle of my adult life mm -hmm. and I'm always looking for more clarity on it I mean one of my questions is is it even a natural state is it even something I should be trying to get to or I don't know what is your I'd love your all right so I have a very clear understanding of the ideal state. I don't think that I don't think that the idea of monogamy as it stands is is the most conscious way to live. I think in the most conscious way to live, it'd be like to me making love can be as simple an interaction as getting a massage. You know, like and most people would say, "Oh yeah, you can get a massage from whoever you want." You know, they're not going to mm -hmm. worry about that. You know, if someone wants to rub your back, cool. 
you know, if someone wants to, you know, scratch the top of your head, cool. <laughs> you know, that's fine. It's not, shouldn't be, I am the one provider of all head scratches and, yeah. and back rubs in the world. Only come to me if you ever, even if you're not even around me, you know, if you're away in another part of the country and you want to get your head scratched, don't even fucking think about it. Just wait till you come home to me because I am the designated head scratcher. That doesn't make any sense to me. And, and I really believe that, you know, ultimately the most conscious way to be is to, you know, whatever fosters more love, more goodwill, more positivity. You know, one of the one of the problems is, is that these systems also create varying degrees of deception because everybody in these relationships you know, they all are lying to themselves and to other people trying to deny what are the natural feelings that mud body or that, you know, primate they're feeling, mm -hmm. you know, so they pretend that those things don't exist, which creates this border of deception, even if it's unspoken deception between this person that you're supposed to be as close to as possible. Mm -hmm. So in an ideal situation with two perfectly conscious people, I think you make whatever agreement you want, but it would allow for you know, situations where, you know, that weren't following the traditional monogamy. So, again, I, to me, that makes a lot of sense. I've had similar thoughts, but a question I... How to, how to make that practical, because I've just been talking <laughs> ideals. Practical yeah, yeah. becomes more challenging. So, I mean, why do you think then that we have these neurological jealousy circuits if... I think they're learned. They're learned. Interesting. Okay, could could you explain why you well i think you know if you look at if you read um dr chris ryan's book sex at dawn and then you look at some of the examples of existing tribal cultures i talked to this guy jimmy nelson who made this amazing book before they pass away uh, i can't think of the name of the tribe off the top of my head mm -hmm. but they have a custom where the they leave one you know it's a it's a herding tribe and so the tribe goes out and they have to go for many weeks because there's sparse grassland to take the herds around to feed them mm -hmm. on these regular circuits. And they leave behind one man. And that man's responsibility is to sexually pleasure and service all of the women that are left behind. And everybody's just on a rotation. And that's the way that culture is. And that's how they feel. You know, in the Eskimo culture, it's a tradition for any visitors who come to sleep with the chief's wife. You know, and that's the that's the Eskimo tradition there and that's part of their culture so they don't feel that jealousy mm -hmm. but I think in our society because of those you know kind of monogamous ideals that have been reinforced in songs and movies and stories mm -hmm. and told to use from a child and you know putting on a pedestal this moment of marriage and this celebration where everybody comes together to celebrate you and all of these things that are built in mm -hmm. it's a learned behavior you know it starts to become an attachment to our ego mm -hmm. and so when that's threatened you know, it's really not, it's really threatening, you know, what we feel about mm -hmm. ourselves. You know, if your girl wants to sleep with some other man, it means you're not man enough, which mm -hmm. hurts your ego. Yeah. And that's what you feel like is jealousy, but it's really your ego getting hurt. Yeah. And then on the other side, if your man is looking for some other woman, it's because you're not attractive enough and you're not sexy enough and you're not spicing it up enough in bed. Like, Cosmo will tell you, you know, like put on a wig. No, motherfucker, it's not going to help. You know, <laughs> like that's not the, that's not the issue, you know. So I think that's it. I, I really believe that that's largely a learned behavior, but it's deeply ingrained and patterned and mm -hmm. it's difficult. It's difficult to to overcome. Um, Do you think that perhaps the fact that that pattern has been ingrained has allowed the Western uh, Judeo-Christian well, the dominant culture on this planet to accelerate so quickly because it's created 
reasonably stable family units which have created a reasonably stable workforce that have allowed us to accelerate our technological and scientific progress? Well, uh, there's a lot to that question. You know, is, <laughs> is the scientific and technological progress, is it a good thing or is yeah. it not a good thing? You know, I mean, it, it, I think there's, there's obviously some benefits to it, you know, but there's also, there's a lot of people suffering, you know, mm. and, and a lot of the other things that have come in through that, um, you know, that, that kind of ideal, this be fruitful and multiply kind of, kind of concept mm. where the idea is just to willy nilly have as many children as possible. Well, uh, eventually we're going to out people our resources, you know, and having a lot more conscious way to decide that and not, I think would be a much better outcome overall um but yeah i think we got off course and i think religion i think the the major monotheistic desert religion played a played a large part in that and i think you read a book like one of my favorite books right now i haven't had a chance to write a review it's a book called the fifth sacred thing and i'm a huge fan of utopian novels in general okay. my other previous favorite book was aldous huxley's island but the fifth sacred thing is a phenomenal work and it really shows this clash from a perfectly ideal you know, post-apocalyptic society coming in contact with the, you know, non-ideal um, society it's kind of, and the dystopic society and the, just the kind of clash of ideals. But for me, the ideal way to live really represents what what was in that book. And it, it shows you a different way. I mean, people are naturally going to form affinities, mm -hmm. you know, and they'll form pair bonds that are deeper than the other pair bonds around them i think that's natural and mm -hmm. i don't think that should be you know opposed and i think some of the other alternative systems don't necessarily accommodate for that that well either they try to they have their own rigid guidelines mm -hmm. and boundaries mm -hmm. um, i think you can keep all of that fluid but just be conscious and love the person you're with wholly and keep no barriers mm -hmm. you know and i think if i'm giving advice to people I think the most important thing is, is you can make restrictions on restricting what your body can do is I think the easiest, I think that's the easiest level to shut off. Mm -hmm. But where it gets really toxic is when you're restricting the freedom for, of your mind, you know, to romp and, and actually be honest with the other person. You see, like I have a slightly differing opinion. Um, and for me, it is actually the hardest thing is the the control of the mind because you know, I'll see a beautiful woman and then it will start a cascade of thoughts. And those that cascade of thoughts I know is if I were like in the in the past when I've been with a girlfriend and I've like I've cheated on her, right? It's because looking back, it's because I didn't have the mental strength to snip off the root thought. You know, I'd see a beautiful woman and then I'd think to myself, Wow, she's really cool and then I'd think to myself, Go chat to her and you know, if I just snipped it off and been like, She's beautiful, get on with your day, go do what you have to do. You know, I cut I could have avoided those situations. So for me, I kind of feel that um, the control of the mind is the most important aspect um, when it comes to that. But um, yeah, I, and I, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying in a relationship, if you're going to have a relationship, you, you're going to have to set a boundary at some point, right? In an ideal situation, maybe you don't. Maybe you just love and appreciate each other for, for whatever that is. But mm -hmm. for me, it's it would be if I was, you know, going to get in that, you know, a traditional relationship i would want it to be very clear that i don't want to have to lie about what my natural urges are i can mm -hmm. stop them you know i can tell you look i'm not going to have sex with anybody but i'm not going to play this game of pretending you know yeah. like if we're going to be the closest two people in the world i don't want to be telling my buddies you know one thing 
you know, that's what that's what this game that everybody plays. They go out, you go out with your girlfriends and you talk more openly than you do with the person that you're living yeah, with. Yeah. Like if you're going to have that bond, you better be as close with that person as anybody, yeah. you know, otherwise just fuck it. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. You know, like if you're supposed to be, the, you know, this this really closely connected pair bond, but you're really kind of lying to each other half the time. Mm-hmm. And then you go out with your buddies and you tell the truth and she goes out with her girlfriends and she tells the truth. Then, mm-hmm. you know, that's bullshit, you know, but so for me, that's what I'm talking about. But as far as like actually controlling the behavior, yeah, of course, it's all the mind. Yeah. And I think the key is then is to realize what is it that, you know, what, what is it that you're really going after? Because if you reduce the sexual act to some friction and actually look at the sexual act as it is, mm-hmm. it's usually never as, as good as you think. The, f- it, the fantasy the, is always better than the right. reality. And the yeah. chase and all of this other stuff. So what is all of that? What is all of that really getting at? Like dissect it. You know, like, what are you actually going for? Is it some kind of validation? To something to yourself. Is, or, it, yeah. is it the the thrill of it? Is it like a fishing expedition? You know, like, are my lures shiny enough yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to, you know, to pull the, pull in this marlin? You know, and like, ooh, look, that looks like a record marlin there. <laughs> I wonder if my lures that I've been honing are that strong. You know, is that the element? And is And what is that all about? You know, is that really worth, is that really worth pursuing? Or and is have it... You, have you uh, done this, this process with yourself have you figured out and what did you distill it down to i've gotten and it wasn't always this way there was a period there's (laughs) there's there's a period in my life where there was some chest pounding that needed to happen Mm -hmm. some kind of you know assertion of my virility of my capability and and i had that period you know leading up to you know my late 20s my late 20s was kind of a wild wild period even you know before i even started on it and that was there were moments there with a lot of beautiful women and um where i was really just doing it and i could tell to just kind of pound my chest and roar into the blackness mm-hmm. of the night you mm-hmm. know um, and i've really been able to to move past that and the the challenging part for me is now just the restriction of the kind of closeness of relationship that you can get with the opposite sex once those barriers of sexual attraction have been worn down you know the, the sex is fun and is is always nice as well mm-hmm. but what i think is the heart would is and will be the hardest part for me is when you form those intimate bonds you get to go in deeper with another person you know like with a guy you know if you've rolled with them 50 times and you know, you get to know that dude a little better. Yeah, let's maybe been not, battles, let's use right? another analogy just, right. just, <laughs> just for the But if you've, if you've, you know, been with a girl in that same way, in that, in, you know, in an intimate way, sexually with them, I mean, because obviously fighting with them is not really going to scratch it. Mm-hmm. Um, different elements, one's sexual, one's not. But you break down these walls and these barriers that at that point you get to know that person, you get to interact mm-hmm. and on a more, on almost like a more soul level, you mm-hmm. get to dance in a way that I think to me is is the hardest part to divorce. So, so, the, act, so the act of sex is almost like something you do to allow the walls to break down so that that vulnerability can be there and you can get to know people in a that's very interesting closer way i appreciate that thank you that's that's very (laughs) yeah yeah for sure man it's look everybody as you know you can ask everybody deals with this issue you know but very few people talk about it 
publicly because everybody's in the closet. You know, yeah. if there's one thing everybody's in the closet, people are way more likely to talk about ayahuasca than talk about yeah. these thoughts that they have because, except if they're out with their buddies, you know, and then it's a given. Uh-huh. You know, but it's it's a system. Right now, there's a system that only works for a very small amount of people. And I know people that it does work yeah, for. Yeah. You know, I've, I've met them and I've been, even professional athletes, you know, as much of a bad reputation as they get, and mostly deservedly, there's a couple that you'll meet that it's like, man, monogamy is just perfect for you. They're stoked. Their wife is stoked. It's like, that's the right system. And great. You know, I'm not saying it's the wrong system for everybody, but I meet, you know, the other 90 or 95% of people where on a bell curve for some it's a little bit broken and for others it's just completely fucking mm-hmm, broken mm-hmm. and they're trying to shoehorn themselves in there mm-hmm. so i think being really honest with yourself and you'd be surprised you know what kind of agreements you can come up with mm. you know uh one of the the things that never ceases to amaze me is how i'm looking at one of your testosterone supplements that's sitting in front of me <laughs> I, I t- i've actually taken that one it's it's, it's a very good one I've, i take quite a few different testosterone boosters and I've realized just how much Mudboy is running the show because my thought processes are completely different an hour after I've taken a strong testosterone booster than they were before. Like mm-hmm. literally it changes the way I think about things. It changes the way I look at women. It changes like, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, um, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time and I was working out a lot and I was on a lot of these supplements and my testosterone level was really high. And then there was, there was some girl who had contacted me on Facebook and something and she was, she was in Japan and I started to think I should go to Japan. You know, I had like absolutely no reason to go to Japan at that time in my life. I didn't have the money to do it. And I, and I realized just, wow, this circuit is really, really powerful. It would probably get me on a plane and fly me out to Japan. You know, right. I realized I've got to get a grip on this thing. Right. Um, so yeah, it is. I mean, there's so much, there's so much to it, and they're, they're very powerful drives, and it's um, it's a really cool perspective you've given me. Um, it's, again, it's just we're, we're all trying to figure it out. So maybe next time I'll give you something interesting. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's it's helpful for me to even you know kind of talk about it, and I've had to do a lot of thinking on that. You mm-hmm. know, like what is the real thing that I'm missing? Because it's never the it's never the sex. Because I mean, the sex is good, but it's that's not the thing. It's there's something else that's there, and I think for everybody finding out what that thing is that you're really looking for is good. But I'm also, you know, there is also something to that kind of primal experience that is valuable in its own right. And if you haven't gotten enough of that and you're not scratching that itch, you know, I mean, there's almost like, I almost see two energy sources which are pleasurable. You know, there's the source that you could call the light, you know, and the light energy and that's, you know, that feeling you get after a good meditation or that a cleaning out of ayahuasca where mm-hmm. the universe looks beautiful and you're grateful and thankful to be alive and just want to give back to humanity and mm-hmm. feel you know the energy coming in every breath that you take and then there's that other where you're just fucking standing in a nightclub and you got bottles and women and it's just like i am a fucking killer right yeah. now you know and you're a little bit drunk and and that energy is just pounding through the speakers and you can feel it you know pulsing through you and you feel like you can do fucking anything in that moment uh-huh. well it's not necessarily the healthiest energy but yeah it feels good and it's part of our it's birthright part of the to, experience right? it's part of our experience to feel some of that mm-hmm. you know or or that feeling like you know when when chuck liddell knocked out tito and he just fucking throws his arms back yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 
you know, like that feeling. That is part of the universe experiencing itself it. as well. It's that's it. You know, and yeah. there's some there's some value to that. And the key is just to make sure that you're not doing it in a way that's hurting other mm -hmm. people. That's actually one of the one of the ways I've been able to rationalize. Um, one of the things I've struggled with my whole life is like the, just seeing how much suffering there is in the world, you know, and just. Um, I, I asked a, a friend of mine, a very intelligent woman, she's she's quite a I'd say she's a mystic and I once asked her what's your opinion why is this um, the case like why why is that the way the world is and she said that um, the source is trying to gather information you know that's what it does it's like it's it's just trying to get gather information from experience as much experience as possible and suffering is actually a very very dense source of information and um, that's why it uses it that's why there is all of this misery and fear and anguish on this planet and part of me like accepts that as well that's what helps me sleep at night that's one of the explanations that i kind of think might have some uh, yeah. truth to it I, I think there's something to that i mean pure suffering is isn't is real sadness you know is is in its way, own way a beautiful part of the human experience as mm -hmm. well and of course there's some sufferings that you know seem over the top yeah. um, but when i asked i had an opportunity to speak on ayahuasca with what felt like I was speaking with Source. And I asked Source about that. I said, well, what about evil? And unapologetically, Source responded that evil was simply the consequence of free will. Like you cannot have one without the other. Mm -hmm. Either you make everything and you're just on a train track looking at all the shit that's happening and it's all good. And But if you allow free will to take its course, suffering is the inevitable result of that like you cannot divorce the two you cannot create a world with free will that does not have suffering or evil it's impossible well interesting yeah. interesting yeah dude um <laughs> kind of feels like i've just drank ayahuasca sitting here talking to you but um well yeah it's really illuminating thank you for that aubrey yeah, yeah for sure so man. so um probably the last thing i'd just like to discuss with you i know you're mm -hmm. a very busy guy is um business mm -hmm. um you know, I've known about Onnit for a long time. Uh, back when I was involved with London Real, we um, were affiliates for your part for Alpha Brain at one mm -hmm. point. Um, and I actually have two businesses which are, I'd say, in the fledgling stage. are just starting to take off and uh, have a business partner. And we still run our businesses out of his house. And, uh, you know, when you invited me to come down to Onnit headquarters today, I, I was expecting this to be pretty cool. But, I mean, I got here and it just blew my mind. Um, I had no idea the scale of this operation. And I guess the question I'd like to ask you is, at the moment with business for me, even though my business is small, it's still incredibly difficult. I'm working incredibly hard, like at the point where working any harder than this and I, I don't even think it'll be worth it. You know, I don't want to live like that working yeah. nonstop. Um, my main question for you is, has the scale of problems and difficulties um, increased accordingly with the increase in the size of your business or is it kind of getting easier as you go along or can you just tell me a little bit about about that journey well that's a that's a great question and not one that I usually get at the beginning there's you know you're working your ass off because you're really trying to get momentum right and that is a strain but it's also 
there's a lot of excitement there in this creation process. And then there's lulls where it feels like you're pushing on this boulder with everything you got and just nothing's fucking moving and you don't understand it. And then you have doubts and things. So that's the real challenge of the start. <clears throat> and then once you get momentum going and start attracting other people, um, the workload doesn't necessarily decrease, but the positive, the, that kind of positive feedback starts to, starts to refuel you and give you some more energy. So you've overcome the inertia, basically. You've overcome the inertia, and then you have some things rolling, and then, you know, kind of that feedback loop helps. Eventually, you get to a point where you can, you know, delegate a lot of the stuff that you're not good at that really wears you out, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's a lot of stuff you're doing for your business that is something that somebody else could do Mm -hmm. just as good Mm -hmm. as you. And so getting to that point is huge, where you're only doing what you're really good at. And that's that can be you know, really help you as far as that day-to-day workload. But with that comes the magnitude of of issues that you have to deal with in the fact that you're now responsible for, you know, a lot of other people's salary, a lot of other people's livelihood, and you're carrying a heavier weight on your shoulder mm-hmm. even if you're not toiling as much. So it's almost like the the stress goes from your from your arms that are working to make everything work and your actual sleep hours to this kind of weight that you carry constantly mm-hmm. on your shoulders and your head you know as the old saying goes heavy wears the crown like yeah. the more you get to be king of your little business you know the heavier that crown gets and the more you're kind of constantly looking for problems how can something take us out what are the risks here and, and where, that where can do you draw be, that the can line? be exhausting. Like, I mean, because think if you extrapolate that out and think of the amazing amount of pressure or how heavy the crown is for Richard Branson or sure. Larry Ellis, or it's like, I mean, do you want to do you want to get to that level, or is there a level where you're going to be like, okay, this is heavy enough, I'm going to stick right here? I think it becomes internal work, and I think it's it's a work of releasing attachment, you know, and releasing yourself from responsibility, you know, understanding that. You know, you're doing the best you can for all the people here you're supporting. If if something goes wrong and you've at least done your best, you've done your best. And so release yourself from that responsibility and then release yourself from the attachment. You know, I mean, I've had to actively do that, you know, because the fear of losing on it is beyond just the, the monetary <clears throat> thing and even beyond what I'm able to do positively for the world. Because there's other ways I can do that. I could write mm-hmm. books. I can continue the podcast. I could do other things. Um, really a lot of that you know when I tracked it and I had to actively track it the medicine helps is the attachment to Aubrey CEO of on it you know that's become a part of me mm. you know and to be okay with you know just Aubrey is important so Richard Branson has to be okay with hey I'm okay being just Richard you know not Richard CEO of Virgin Mobile and Virgin and whatever mm. other Virgin things that he has <laughs> but just being you know just being Richard and and I think that's the key is just constantly cleaning off your attachments. So not being attached to either outcome or anything that you've built up. And that really releases the stress. Um, but it's it's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I was in a there's a lot of pros and cons, though. I mean, I think it's the greatest, you know, fulfillment of the journey that I could. You know, I'm living the dream, as mm-hmm. you said, you know, as you're walking through there, you're living the dream. And hearing you say it, you know, I know it's true, it, even though it doesn't always feel like that to me, because mm-hmm. my dream comes with a lot of stress yeah. and a lot of responsibilities. But it is the fucking dream, yeah. you know, and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I love what I'm doing. I love the company. I love the opportunities. 
but yeah you know there's periods where i'm really really super down and what's even worse is i'll look around and be like everything is perfect and i'm sad like how dare you be sad what's wrong with me mm -hmm. and so it's like it creates even guilt upon these moments of when you get worn out um but all of it's just a fucking process mm -hmm. you know well just part of the ride it's part of the ride so it just shifts so i guess the answer the long roundabout answer to your question is it just shifts you're in the part right now where it's really about an immense amount of sweat because you're doing all the jobs because you mm -hmm. don't have enough money to pay for other people to do the shit so it's just about fucking sweat and momentum and then there'll come a point where you get to delegate your actual work product will get more fun but the stress will get higher mm -hmm. and then it's about managing that stress so. cool well it sounds like a lot to look forward to <laughs> yeah but fuck man this is it you know like, this uh, is it. <laughs> then but the other way i mean i had it the other way i worked for somebody you know yeah. uh, well i had my own company but really i was everybody else's you know i was working for other people yeah i get it and uh <laughs> and that's can be a nightmare too because yeah. then you know you put your heart into something and somebody else goes no nah, that's bullshit and you're like it's not i fucking put everything i had in this it'll work I'm like no nah, we're not going to do that mm -hmm. and it's just crushing you know or you get you know you get terminated or you get and it just feels like this betrayal you know and it's like i remember that happened to me i mean i got i got fired from you know fired from this position where i was killing it i was doing an amazing job and, and then it sent me in this funk where i was like what the fuck am i even doing you know if i'm going to be able to put all this into something and nobody's going to appreciate it why am i even trying you know and it, so there's all of these other things that come from working from someone else that you don't have to deal with mm -hmm. you know it's like you're putting it anything you really truly want to do Mm -hmm. you let it out there and you're free to, you're the to test your, your metal. ship right exactly mm. exactly yeah, I'd, I'd take that any day exactly yeah. so that's that's the benefit of it that's that's what's worth yeah. the price that you pay cool man well Aubrey you have blown my mind on many levels <laughs> <laughs> well I appreciate it man yeah. I mean not a lot of times can someone get in and access new channels of information and stuff on on this podcast as so. i said i've had it on my mind for a long time <laughs> i appreciate it's that, been loaded man. up for a while i appreciate that yeah. we're gonna have to do this more often for sure but for sure for sure so where do you live currently most of the time so the funny thing with me is um i don't actually live anywhere i'm just traveling the world i've been on the road for 18 months just traveling around teaching jiu-jitsu hanging out wherever wherever it takes me yeah um i run my business from uh, a computer because most of my stuff's online and uh, so there's nowhere that's really home but I'm thinking of moving out to the States met a cool girlfriend who's out in California mm -hmm. I'm thinking of settling for a while there's a lot of guys in that part of the world and in the States in general who I find um, I resonate a lot with and just have a feeling that this is the place I'm supposed to be so I think that's what's going to happen yeah. yeah well your accent gets a premium out here right back home you know it doesn't do you any good yeah yeah my check always tells me that was one of the first things i got my foot in the door <laughs> yeah exactly you get a premium yeah. for it well cool my friend thanks for stopping by how can people keep up with you so if you're a jiu-jitsu guy and you want to learn more about my stuff just go to jujitsubrotherhood.com and if you'd like to listen to the co uh the podcast i co-host with paul moran it's thejourneypodcast.com you can also find it on itunes if you type in the journey podcast sweet all right, everybody, I'm out for the rest of the week, but I will see you next week. Peace.